Well, what I can say is, uh, terror, 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 terrorist. <laughs> yeah, the terrorist train. No, just kidding. That's a that's a Clint Eastwood movie. What is that one where he made some? 9-11 from Paris or something? Or, <laughs> I'm taking 310 to whatever. 5-14 <laughs> to Paris or some shit. Well, Under Siege 2 was about terrorists on a train, I think. What? No, no. Under, uh, Under Siege 2? They, they went to a train? Weren't they in a boat? That was the first one. Wait, wait. Okay, but... <laughs> I thought Under, Under Siege like implied like underwater. You know, like they were on the open seas. Hey, I, I don't know. Talk to Hollywood producers of the 1990s. They said uh, number two had to go to a train. Holy shit. Crack open a cold box of wine or pour Got something one. cold on ice because it's the Binge Watchers Podcast. There's a movie called Terror Train. Comes out in the early 80s. It's got Jamie Lee Curtis. And I was reading that they wanted to make another Halloween. I was like, oh, it must have been before they made Halloween too. Because <laughs> they, they just made Halloween. Like, and she was just in it. Um, Alright, all now, okay. Here's something that you can't make up or write. Like, oh, it sounds like somebody wrote this. The director's name is Roger Spotswood. And he hires a transvestite to play the murderer. And I and I and I swear, like, okay, um, I think he literally just went and picked up a hooker that he visited and then put him in the movie. Dude, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like little little street culture in the, in East Village or something in the eighties, and he's just like, he happens to know this guy. This cute little transgender, he's like, oh, hey, uh, I'm making a movie. You want to actually get paid? <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just rather too convenient. Anyway, that's that's the uh, the story behind the story, folks. I was doing a little, little research on the Google. Actually, it's like if you just Google it and read, like, the third thing that comes up, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So I, uh, I did not know that. Uh, they didn't tell me something. Yeah, I've just... read up on this movie and I hadn't read anything about that. And I don't know nothing else about the director. That's literally where my research stopped because I thought that was the most titillating part of the whole story. Wait, you, you didn't know that this uh, director went on to do things like Turner and Hooch? Oh, did he give me Turner and Hooch? Wow. That's pretty um, impressive. Actually, okay. hold on, like me, I'm going to have to look this back up. He actually, believe it or not, had a kind of respectable career. <clears throat> or at least, you know, like a, mm. like a what they call journeyman director, where like they constantly work. They may not put out like the co- most quality stuff, or you know, like but they get it done. They get the job done. They get it done. You ever have an undefinable flavor to an energy drink? Like you're just not quite sure what they were going for. Yeah, I've had some of those. This is a, I mean, this is a dollar store brand. It's called Rip It. I've um, heard of that. I've seen that. I have not tried it. This particular flavor is called Power, but I, I can't. Right. I can't really tell what it's powering me up to do. Like it's not like, 
you know, choke full of berries or, uh, and the colors are not giving it away because I'm reading the back of it, you know. The only recognizable thing is guarana seed extract, but I'm sure that's in all of its crap. Right. Um, but it's got yellow five, yellow six. So if it's a yellow color, they're going for a yellow flavor, but the color of the can is silver and blue, and all the writing's in blue. Usually the color indicates a, a flavor combination as well, you know what I mean? Like if it's Fruit Punch or Cherry, it's going to have a red logo, you know? Right. Um, so what does it have to do with tonight's discussion? Absolutely nothing, except for the fact that we record in the middle of the night, and... Um, you know, and sometimes, sometimes you need a little energy. Sometimes you need something. That's that's for damn sure. Well, let's see. This director went on to do. <clears throat> he had some highs and lows. Uh, the best of times with Kurt Russell and uh, Robin Williams, Turner and Hooch, hmm. fucking Air America with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Mel Gibson. If anybody remembers that. And and is it Tim Thomerson or Tom Thomerson? That I don't Thomerson? know. He, he's in there. It's the other guy. He's the, the guy big... that, uh, you're talking about the guy that does all the, tro- not trauma, um. The transfer movies. Yeah. Um, I'm looking in the cast right now. I'm not, well, I haven't gone through it all, but. Oh, yep, Tim Thomerson. Yep, there it is, Tim Thomerson, yeah. Um, oh my god, here's a, here's a low for the guy. Stop or my mom will shoot. Oh, did he direct that? Yeah. Oh, okay, well. Uh, directed some like pot good TV movies like uh, HBO's and the band played all of them. Uh, he directed a James Bond movie, Tomorrow Never Dies. You know what my like favorite one... thing about Stopper that my mom will shoot is? It's uh, written by Blake Anderson, and Blake Anderson was the guy that gave everybody the Save the Cat screenplay writing model. Oh, that guy. To counteract the story myth model that Joseph Campbell and the other guy had put together, the thing that brought you like movies like The Lion King and... And many right. other fucking movies and all the Star Wars movies and all these things. And, you know, I mean, people should look up the Joseph Campbell archives. I think they're all, I think most of it's all free now on YouTube and shit like that. But if you want to learn how to be a writer, just fucking read about Joseph Campbell and his ideology of myth in human culture. And you can pretty much write anything. But, um, yeah, Blake Anderson says, oh, no, forget that. You're going to save the cat and you're going to have... A Dark Knight of the Soul. So he creates his own little model, sells his books, has his seminars, just like that other guy. Who I don't even know if that other guy actually wrote any screenplays. That's Sid Field's guy. I don't even know if he actually wrote any movies at all. Um, oh, writers that get paid to tell you how to write, but they don't write. Random. But anyway, Blake Anderson writes this movie for... And I don't, I don't know what Stallone's involvement was. I thought Stallone directed it and produced it and had something to do with the writing. But anyway, I guess not. Maybe he was just the actor. I don't know. But Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, that's Blake Anderson's claim to fame. The only thing I know about that guy is he wrote the Save the Cat screenplay model that all the kids were running away with, and it was like a mini craze. Well, we were in film school. People were talking about Save the Cat. Um... And I think some of our friends tried to write with that model, and, and goes to show you, they're not working writers. So, <laughs> like, I don't think it worked. Um, but yeah, so you, a shitty movie. A shitty movie is your claim to start your screenwriting model. I don't know. Well, hey. 
As long as he got paid, I guess. I don't know. No, he gets paid when people buy his book, but he's dead now, so I don't know who gets paid anymore. Ah, well. Um, he did die early, I will say so much for that, but... Um, so yeah, so Jamie Lee Curtis is in this movie where she plays a preppy bitch who pisses off a guy at the beginning of a movie, and oh, surprise, surprise, he's gonna come back and do something about it. <laughs> you know, yeah. 15 you minutes later... like we have, we've been doing anything but talk about this actual movie. <laughs> I oh, know, it's okay. We gotta fill 25 minutes. We gotta make sure we talk about a lot of it's, shit. Um, um, well, gone. No, I mean, I got it started. You can take over from there, or we just keep going. <laughs> I mean, it's, um, you know, it's not a bad movie. It's just not memorable. I watched it yesterday, and I've forgotten most of it. <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, well, it's more memorable than, it's, look, it's like, at least ten times better than the burning, which we watched for the first episode. I'll, of I'll give you that. Smash. Like, I'm not. I don't want to like act like I'm shitting on the movie, but it's mm. um, it's like I said, it's just uh, you know, it's very standard. I mean, it's 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 very well shot. Like, it's a good looking movie, and it's it's almost unfair to call it. I mean, it is technically a slasher, but I mean, it's not uh, it's not very gory. It's more it's works more uh works more for suspense or tries more for suspense. Mm. I think. I mean, didn't you get the? I mean, it literally felt like this was. A it's modern more movie. psychedelic, and it has darker camera angles. That's for sure. Um, it felt more like a, just a retelling of uh, Murder on the Orient Express, like that. Yeah, it draws a lot of references from a French Perot novel. Um, right. Yeah, it's kind of like that. It's um, it is cool that it uses illusions to kill. Like I was reading something about the movie. It's like. Usually in these these teeny bopper slasher movies, if you have sex, you die. Blah blah blah. This movie has an interesting rule: if you give into the illusion, you're gonna die. But if you see through the illusion, you might have a chance to survive. Um, I, I don't know why. I don't know what the connection is to the kid that he he likes to do magic. I never got that um, early on, but they talk about it a lot towards the end of the movie. Um, and the killer is hiding in plain sight, which is kind of a cool fucking idea. Right. He's there the whole time. It's also a cool concept that when you murder somebody, he takes their costume. And how is that so? Well, they're on a train. They're having a party. It's college kids. They're having a party where, you know, costume, costume party. Yeah, like a costume party. Like you know, it actually reminds me of Trading Places, which is really funny because it has Jamie Lee Curtis in that. And there's a there's a costume party on a train in that movie as well. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> During the climax, but. Um, Anyway, in this movie, yeah, these these group of friends, they're all wearing costumes, and each time he kills somebody, he takes their costume, and then he just, like, infiltrates the group. He just floats through the group. But, you know, the killer's actually been there the entire time, and, like, who he ends up being is kind of really interesting. Like, he, like he's literally there the entire time, and and nobody really notices. But again, also, they don't, the filmmakers don't focus on him, so it's almost like he's a background player, you know. Um, even though he's there in almost every scene. So, and of course, like, there's a Groucho March reference. Like, that's the first costume that gets him on the train. Right. Um, Although, I'll tell you what, man. I kind of wish that he, that was the only costume he wore. Like, that was a, <laughs> for being Groucho Marx, it was also kind of the creepiest one. Well, which is true, because that's also the poster. That's how, right. they, you know, that there's definitely a selling point to that being the creepy costume, because they use it on one of the, artwork for the movie and the dvd covers and the box sets and all that stuff this is a hard movie to track down if you're trying to watch oh, it shit. digitally 
Or uh, I had a hard time, and I think I ended up having to rent it on iTunes, and then that became a pain because I don't have a. Uh... Yeah, it, it's a pain in the balls to find. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a really hard movie to track down, which you wouldn't think so because it's just a knockoff slasher from the '80s, and most of those are widely available. This movie, for some reason, folks, you got to be a true binge watcher and really track this shit down. Um, you can cheat, like again, YouTube exists for a reason because people want to share videos. It's there. It's a very shitty copy of the movie. Someone's like projecting it. I don't know how they did this, but they have like a. It looks like somebody's projecting a reel to reel because in the middle of the video, there's like a giant white spot. <laughs> but you can watch the whole movie. Um, the lizard costume in the movie looks like a Spider-Man villain, like like the original artwork for the character called the Lizard, who fought Spider-Man, and is actually in some of the newer movies. Uh, looks like one of the costumes. The costumes are, I don't know, um, they're not very great. The They're like Halloween costumes, but... Um, that, that didn't bother me so much just because, um, you know, it was it was like a masquerade party, so or a costume party, so I didn't expect, like, it. Yeah. Know, like the most elaborate costume. You have a cameo by a real magician, I think it's David Copperfield, who's doing a magic it show. Was, he's, which, like, hired to entertain at the party or whatever. Which kind of tripped me out, because I had no idea, like, David Copperfield, like, worked his way twice in one week into, like, my viewing shit between this and I saw another movie, a documentary about The Amazing Jonathan, where David Copperfield pops up a lot. Oh, did you see The Amazing Jonathan documentary? I haven't even watched that yet. It's free on YouTube, why wouldn't I? Oh, shit. Uh, But there's a reason why it's free. It's, like, um, it's a great subject, but the, the director, like, didn't know what to do with his footage. Like, it's very cobbled together. So it's like, it's a documentary, but it's uh, very sloppy. Well, that sucks. Because I don't think anybody else is going to make a movie. I mean, it's still worth a watch because what he captured is great. Yeah. It's like, it could be good with another editing uh, run-through. Oh, okay, well. But that's not about territory. (laughs) No, you're, you're slipping into, you're jumping the tracks, David. Just oh. slipping in a side discussion into another train. <laughs> David Copperfield, that maybe yeah, slightly. Uh, yeah. Um, using his little prop swords to kill was a good adaptation in this movie. Um, the main guy goes out kind of weakly. I don't know. They're like hiding in the train cars from this guy, like, and they kind of know him early on. But that's the other thing too. Is like, I see an emergent pattern here, like. The killer develops some kind of psychosexual thing early, and then it fucks them up for life, and they got to come back and exact revenge or take it out on somebody. And right. the the other thing is that it's obvious who the killer is, like so obvious. Like, uh, and then they tell a story about him. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we're gonna fall into this trap of like all these slasher movies are gonna have like these these similarities. But then again, I was like, well, yeah. I mean, it's an exploitive genre and it probably literally has the same tropes in all the movies that we're going to watch. Right. So, but I'm hoping there'll be some standouts. I mean, I think this one has a much better plot, you know, so far of the two that we've seen for this run. Right. uh, It's, it's not a bad movie. It's just very, it's, it's, it's a slasher, but it doesn't really have much gore. So, uh, Mm. and it's really more of a uh, suspense film. Yeah, but this is highly adaptable. Like, I could see sci-fi remaking it, you know. Oh, it's like a great sci- concept. Yeah. I, I feel like someone could easily, like, Bloomhouse, somebody could easily take this property, and I'm sure there's not a lot of, like, 
there's not a lot of traction behind this movie. Like, I'm pretty sure somebody could easily get this property and remake it, you know, and it wouldn't cost them very much. You know what I mean? And if you if you right. go in the true horror movie fashion, you start people's careers with your movie, right? You don't get any A-listers, or maybe you do for the train conductor. That's a good cameo for, like, an older actor, you know? Right. Um, you could throw somebody in there who's kind of an interesting character actor. And then, like, uh, and the rest could be, uh, like, you know, it would be a great train conductor. It would be, like, Tom Scanlon or Harry Hamlin. Or uh, even the guy that plays, like, the Cobra Kai leader in the original Karate Kid. Mm. I forget his name, but he's he's about to be, he's been in a couple horror movies lately, but uh, it, it, something like that. Well, like, a guy on that no. level, you know, like... Uh, Judd Nelson. Oh, yeah. Or I don't know why Judd, that clicked in my head. <laughs> yeah, or even somebody like a Judd Nelson. You know, you throw them in as the, the train conductor, right? And then you fill the rest of the bodies of, like, you know, whatever CW crop of actors is coming up, you know, on Disney Channel. Like, they're aging out, of the, they're too old, too mature, they hit puberty and they gotta get off the Disney Channel. You're like, okay, well, we're making a, we're making Terror Train 2020, you know, get over here, board the train. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Well, uh, I can easily see that movie coming together. I could also see this, like, um... Because a year or two ago they did come out with that new version of uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. Um, I could see them turning this into like a slightly respectable. It's like, uh, and by by slightly respectable, I just mean like they get like somewhat name actors or maybe yeah older actors, you know. Another cool thing to do would be like uh, a group of friends get locked into like a high tech train and like the train's killing them, you know, like an AI train. Like, right. <laughs> like that'd be good too. Well, hell, why not just uh, combine it with, like, another movie, Runaway Train, and it's like, so not only are, is there a killer on the loose, but the train is going to crash unless you can get it to stop. I don't know. Well, really amp up that suspense, really raise the stakes there, Dave. You must have read Save the Cat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and why the fuck aren't anywhere writing million-dollar scripts? Damn. Uh, I did not know I was going to get a tie-back or a call-back to that fucking book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's pretty good. Damn. I'm going to slap this one together. This is episode two of Summer Slash. People, if you're following this online, that's hashtag Summer Slash. That's Binge Watchers, baby. We're going to be watching slasher movies all summer long. This was Terror Train with Jamie Lee Curtis. And this is like, what, our second or third movie or something? Something like so, that. Yeah. I mean, this is early in her career. She's a total bitch in this movie. Like, if anybody deserves to die, she does. But guess what, folks? She survives the whole time. <laughs> like, so if anybody's out there and has, like, a, a beef with the popular girl or uh, or the mean girl, right? Which they also made a movie. Dave loves it. Dave mean watched girl? that DVD so much that he had to get the DVD fixed. It's kind of like a VHS that you play out. But Dave watched this DVD so much he had to go get the disc. Like, I don't <laughs> know. D you know what I'm talking about, Dave. Remember this? You, you bought a DVD, like, fix-it kit, which I didn't think existed, but you found it, and it fills the scratches on a DVD, so it will continue to play. Amazing. <laughs> he played out Mean Girls. Oh, man. I've actually watched it recently, which is weird. I don't know if I am protesting too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Mean Girls. Um... I hear that was a book. 
Yeah, it was. And Tina Fey adapted it. And let's yeah, let's do the six degrees of uh, of Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows is a guy that was on the '90s cast of SNL, and they put him in everything. Like the more popular ones that got movies made, put him in everything that they did. But he's he's funny on his own, but he doesn't get to do a lot of shit. Well, he's always like best as like second or third banana. Like, uh, I mean, they they did try to give him a run. I mean, they did the whole Ladies Man movie, but it just didn't pan out. Hmm. I liked him as the stepdad in this canceled Fox show that only had one season. Oh, uh, Son of Thor? I mean, yeah. Son of uh, Zor? Yeah, like Zorn. Zorn, and that's right. Who's a Funko Pop? There's two Funko Pop dolls of Zorn. This concept is awesome. He-Man is a cartoon. The cartoon is alive. He comes to the real world. And his son is half cartoon. And it's like an immigrant story, you know. America's America is the immigrant story, so it's definitely it's definitely timely, you know. The fucking season ends on a cliffhanger, Dave, and that shit really pisses me off. <laughs> I was there watching, man. Yeah, damn. Like the Skeletor character shows up finally, the nemesis, you know, from He Man Land, and uh, you know, and Zorn is like. In a torture chamber, well, a, tor- a scene where he's being tortured, and then it just the, the fade to black, and then, oh, by the way, it's canceled. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, well, I loved all the like, um, I don't know. I just love whenever you take the uh, the fantastical and mix it with the mundane. Mm. Like, you know, him, him trying to adapt to office life, just that kind of shit kills me. Oh yeah, there was a battle over the hot sauce, and did the other <laughs> did the office across the way take it? Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that was the best. That was probably the best single episode. It reminded me of Workaholic. It's kind of funny. Which I'm re- I'm rewatching those by the way because somebody loaded them all to Amazon Prime. So What's there you that? go. All the Workaholic seasons, they're all on Amazon Prime right now. Oh, I think I was watching it slowly on there. Yeah. Uh, dude, I finally I finally joined that cult of people that like will fall asleep to The Office. Like, I don't have regular TV. Dude, I, I, I do that every night. Like, again. So like I a, don't have regular TV, but here's what I do know. What do you got? When, whenever I'm on vacation and I have to watch regular TV and I can't watch anything off my Roku, mm-hmm. here's what I've gathered about TV nowadays. You can always find an episode of The Office running on some channel, hmm. and John Wick is always on somewhere. <laughs> I swear to God, the last three times I've stayed at a hotel, John Wick's been on TV. Hmm. You're forgetting the third part of the taco here. It's John Wick wrapped around the office with a little Fast and Furious sprinkled in. Oh, you're right. That's true. That's then that's America right there. John Wick, Fast and Furious in the office. But now, but now I go on. uh, But now I'm gonna go on. I go on Netflix at night and I'll throw on an episode or show before I go to bed. I'll just have like a random number generator pick out what episode I watch randomly. I don't really like articles that talk about millennials. There's a lot of articles that talk about millennials. One of them right. says the reason we bought Netflix was because they had The Office. And I'm like, holy shit, it's so fucking true. That's literally the only reason I signed up for Netflix was because they had the catalog of The Office, which is going out next year. Because um, NBC is trying to do their own on-demand thing. But literally, behind me, Dave, is a television. And I know no one can see it, but paused right now is an episode of The Office in season five, actually. <laughs> So there you go. It's the lecture tour episode where 
for some reason, um, Michael Scott's office is doing better than all the offices in the region, and he has to go on a Dunder Mifflin lecture tour. It's two episodes long, and he's trying to reunite with the love of his life, Holly. And, uh, yeah, I got that queued up, ready to go. Um, there was a delay, actually, recording tonight with Dave on my end, and that's literally what I was watching in order to wait for the the pickle to unravel itself over here, or whatever, I don't know, I don't think a pickle can get unraveled, can you, you can pop a pickle jar, but I don't think you can unravel a pickle itself, that's a philosophical question, maybe that's a physics question, can a pickle unravel itself, I don't know, do we have enough Gravitrons for that, who knows, do we have element one, what is it, 115, I've been watching all the UFO shit late, lately, Dave, that Bob Lazar pro like actually had his hands on some alien shit in the 80s at Area 51, and there's like an element that we can barely make, but supposedly aliens have been using it as fucking rocket fuel forever. You, you, up, on, you up to date on this shit? I am not. I saw uh, that. I mean, I didn't watch the documentary. I saw the one you're talking about on uh, Netflix. Yeah, yeah, and that guy who made that, they're on tour now. Uh, that guy's a shitty documentarian, though. He puts himself in the movie. He does these weird, stupid fucking camera things that are completely unfucking necessary. He's a terrible filmmaker. Bob Lazar's an interesting guy, but the filmmaker sucks. But they were both on um, Joe Rogan, which is like you know the king of the podcast right now. But um, and here I am, here I am on our show talking about his fucking show. There you fucking go. And we're talking about Terror Train, folks, which came out in the early '80s, and uh, <laughs> uh, it's. Yeah, um, okay, binge now, binge later, binge never. I'd say binge later. It's not bad, it's just not anything you gotta rush out for. Yeah, um, my binge now for Death on a Train is probably Meat Train. Oh, Midnight uh, Meat Train? Yeah, Midnight Meat Train, and then, um, uh, binge later, well, I guess would be Terror Train. Binge never, actually, would be The Fucking Burning, just for skip that one all together. Um, we're two eps in to our summer marathon. Thanks for sticking it out with us. Maybe I'll post the entire list somewhere. Maybe I should post it on social media so they know what's coming up. But then again, there'd be no reason to tune in because they could just go watch the movies without us and not have to hear our two, our two cents on the whole fucking thing. Um, fucking a. Oh, and watermelon juice sucks. Have you ever had a can of watermelon juice? No. Shit tastes terrible. Or maybe it's because the Thailand watermelons don't taste like our watermelons. I don't know. I went to one of these off-brand stores. It's kind of like a Big Lots, but it's not. It's called Ocean State Job Lot, which is like a New England thing. But it's basically, they have aisles of weird drinks. Like, drinks nobody else has because nobody wants to sell them. Like, wholesale deals. I don't know. Here they are. Um, the cactus water was great. It's like seasoned and... Uh, uh, was like, uh, you know, it was like prickly pear with dragon fruit and sugar and lime juice. That it, that was great. Same company, and apparently it's made in Thailand. It's shipped to California, but it's not made there. Put out a watermelon one. Now, the watermelon one is fucking terrible. Don't drink it, Dave. Don't drink it. Somebody offers you watermelon. Oh, like I'm, you're on the playground. Somebody offers you watermelon juice. Walk away, David. Walk away. <laughs> that bad, huh? 